Hello this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 9th of May. India recorded more than 4 lakh cases of COVID-19 in the last 24 hours. This is the fourth day in a row that the country has logged over 4 lakh new infections. More than 4000 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the same period and the death toll surged past 2 lakh 42000. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 157 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 3.2 million. The World Health Organization's top scientist Soumya Swaminathan told news agency AFP yesterday that the coronavirus variant spreading in India is more contagious and might be evading vaccine protection. Union Health Minister Harshvardhan said today that there are over 9 lakh covid patients who are currently on oxygen support adding that more than 1.70 lakh are on ventilators delhi chief minister arvind kejriwal today extended the lockdown in the capital for another week till 5 am on may 17 he said that though the positivity rate in delhi has come down from 35 to 23% in the last couple of days active cases still remain a challenge the uttar pradesh government also extended the lockdown in the state till may 17 23 covid patients left delhi's civic run hindu rao hospital between april 19 and may 6 without informing anyone pti reported the mayor of north delhi municipal corporation confirmed the news and also claimed that the same thing was happening at delhi's government hospitals the karnataka government announced that it will start vaccinating people between the ages 18 to 44 from may 10 the drive for this group was supposed to begin on may 1 but got delayed due to lack of vaccine supplies Our story of the week this time is about the National Covid Task Force set up by the Supreme Court and how the raging second wave of the pandemic has led many to knock at the doors of the judicial system. We shall come back to it later in the episode. The Bharatiya Janata Party announced today that Himanta Biswa Sarma will be the new Chief Minister of Assam. Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Tomar confirmed the decision which was taken at a legislature party meeting of newly elected MLAs of the BJP in Guwahati. An official announcement on when Sarma will take oath has not been made. Earlier today, the incumbent chief minister of the state, Sarbananda Sonowal, handed his resignation to Assam Governor Jagdish Mukhi. Both Sonowal and Sarma had held separate meetings yesterday with BJP National President JP Nadda, Union Home Minister Amit Shah, and Party General Secretary BL Santosh. The Saffron Party had not announced the new chief minister of Assam despite winning a clear majority in the state. The BJP bagged 60 seats in the 126 member assembly while its National Democratic Alliance got a total of 75 seats. The Indian Medical Association said yesterday that the Union Health Ministry was quote unquote showing extreme lethargy and taking inappropriate actions in handling the second wave of the pandemic. In a press release, the medical body said it had been insisting that the center impose a complete national lockdown for a period of 10 to 15 days. to recoup and replenish the country's health infrastructure the association pointed out that sporadic night curfews in states had not been successful in breaking the chain of transmission adding that daily spike in new coronavirus cases had gone past 4 lakh and 40% of them were moderate to severe cases the doctor's body also called out the central government for its approach towards the national vaccination drive questioning the shortage in vaccine supplies Talking about the government's vaccine policy for the third phase of vaccination, the IMA said that it was an unhumanistic system that leaves those in the 18 to 45 age group quote unquote under the mercy of state governments. Accusing the government of hiding the number of patients dying of COVID, the association's release said and I quote, 
Why are we trying to hide actual deaths? If the public comes to know about the actual deaths, their seriousness to adopt COVID-appropriate behaviours will rise. Unquote. Speaking of underreported deaths, a team of news laundry reporters is currently on the ground in Uttar Pradesh, which is not only underreporting its deaths, but whose chief minister is in denial about the oxygen shortage in the state. Adityanath's government has also directed the police to book those spreading quote-unquote rumours about the oxygen shortage under the National Security Act. But our reports contradict the UP government's claims. At Meerat's biggest hospital, Ayush Tiwari and Basant Kumar reported on how the shortage of oxygen is killing COVID patients, even as the medical officer insisted that there is no shortage. You can watch the full report on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Yogi has left us to die. Oxygen crisis devastates Meerat. While you're there, I also urge you to watch Akantra Kumar and Shivangi Saxena's video report on how the public health system in Gorakhpur is overwhelmed amid the raging second wave. It is titled, How is rural Gorakhpur coping with the COVID catastrophe? Listeners, I'd like to remind you that we are only able to do these stories because we rely on our subscribers, not on ads from governments or corporates. We are funded solely by our subscribers who pay to power our coverage. So if you want accurate, factual and unfiltered news, go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. At least 10 workers died in an explosion at a limestone quarry in Andhra Pradesh's Kadapa district yesterday. The incident took place on the outskirts of the Mammillapalli village. The Kadapa superintendent of police told the Hindustan Times that the explosion occurred when the workers were unloading bundles of detonators from a vehicle to use them for limestone mining. The police superintendent said, and I quote, As per the preliminary investigation based on the available documents, the quarry owner has the license to procure and use detonators for quarrying limestone in the area. Yet, complete details would be known only after investigation. Unquote. The state's chief minister, Vyas Jagan Mohan Reddy, has ordered an inquiry into the incident. The Gujarat government has requested the centre to increase the allocation of oxygen to the state from the current 975 metric tonnes to 1,400 metric tonnes by the 12th of May. The Gujarat government said it was unable to operationalise 11,500 additional beds for COVID patients due to the oxygen shortage. In a letter to the Home Secretary Ajay Bhalla, the Gujarat Chief Secretary Anil Mukhim said, and I quote, The government of India has not increased the allocation of medical oxygen to Gujarat beyond 975 metric tonnes, which is creating tremendous distress to the patients seeking hospitalisation and oxygen therapy resulting in denial of medical treatment to the needy despite the availability of beds and qualified personnel in hospitals." Unquote. This contradicts what the Chief Minister Vijay Rupani said yesterday. Rupani had claimed that there has been no incident in the state where a hospital refused admission to a COVID-19 patient due to the shortage of oxygen. Coming back to our story of the week. As India officially records more than 4,000 deaths a day, the second wave of the pandemic has left the country's health infrastructure overwhelmed. It is reeling under acute shortages of essential medicines, hospital beds, timely care and oxygen. The abysmal state of affairs has led to many organisations, including hospitals, to approach the courts for help, filing emergency petitions in various high courts seeking urgent relief. The Supreme Court also took up Suomoto cognizance of the situation on April 22, seeking a national plan for COVID management from the central government. Two weeks later, the Apex Court finally constituted a national 12-member COVID task force for the better allocation of oxygen, 
and to ensure that essential medicines are available to hospitals. The task force has also been charged with formulating a mechanism to allocate oxygen to states and union territories on a scientific, rational and equitable basis. The team will review whether the supplies assigned by the centre reach the states and union territories. The aim of the task force, as explained by Justices D.Y. Chandrachod and M.R. Shah, is to move beyond finding ad hoc solutions to present problems. Union Cabinet Secretary Rajiv Gobha is the convener of the task force, whose members include Devender Singh Rana, Chairperson of the Board of Delhi's Sir Gangaram Hospital, Dr. J.V. Peter, the Director of Vellore's Christian Medical College, and Virologist Gagandeep Kang. Additionally, high courts have also been hearing urgent petitions in connection with the COVID crisis. The Delhi High Court, for instance, has held marathon hearings, even warning the central government that it would initiate contempt proceedings if the centre did not provide Delhi with 490 metric tonnes of oxygen. When the centre failed to do so, the court issued a show-cause notice. The Allahabad High Court described the death of patients due to oxygen shortage as a criminal act and not less than a genocide. Karnataka's High Court also pulled up the centre, directing it to increase oxygen allocation to the state after 24 patients died at a hospital. Yet, the centre's response has ranged from denying the shortages to moving the Supreme Court against the orders of the High Courts. So, there are two major questions here. How prepared was the centre for the second wave? Did it even anticipate a crisis of this magnitude? Astoundingly, the answer to both the questions is yes. A report prepared by a parliamentary committee in November indicates that the central government was not really caught off-guard by the second wave. In his piece on Newslaundry.com, Meghnad S. explained how the report had actually predicted a second wave, even warning of chaos if gaps in oxygen and medical supplies were not plugged. To know more about what it revealed, go to Newslaundry.com and read Meghnad's report titled, Parliamentary Panel Predicted Second Covid Wave in November. Now for some news from the world of social media. Facebook yesterday suspended Malayali poet K. Sachitanandan's page for 24 hours after he posted a video mocking the BJP's loss in Kerala Assembly election. The poet told digital news site Manorma Online and I quote, This came last night and the reason for it is posting a hilarious video about Amit Shah and the loss of the Kerala unit of BJP in the recent Assembly polls. I had also posted another advertisement about Prime Minister Narendra Modi I had received both these on my WhatsApp." Unquote. In the state election, the BJP did not manage to bag a single seat in the 140-member assembly. The Left Democratic Front got a clear majority, winning 99 seats. The poet said he was unable to write a post or share them or even comment through his Facebook account. Late last night, after the ban was lifted, Sachitanandan wrote in a post that 12 years of poetry and protest can hardly be erased by 24 hours of silence. And now for some international news. At least 58 people were killed and more than 100 injured in a bomb attack outside a girls' school in Afghanistan's Kabul. The attack took place on Saturday afternoon after a car bomb explosion outside Sayyid Ul Suhada High School was followed by two rocket attacks. Images from the site of the attack showed bloodied backpacks and books lying across the street outside the school as smoke rose over the neighborhood. Residents said that they heard multiple blasts just as girls were leaving classes at the school in the Afghan capital to return home and break their Ramadan fast. According to The Guardian, officials said that doctors were struggling to provide medical care to 150 of the wounded, who were mostly students. No group has claimed responsibility for the blast yet. 
the Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani, blamed the Taliban, saying that the group was escalating their illegitimate war and violence. The UN mission expressed its deep revulsion and the EU mission in Afghanistan condemned the attack as quote-unquote a despicable act of terrorism. The Dashti Barchi neighborhood where the blast took place is populated by the minority Shia community and has been attacked frequently by the Islamic State group in the past. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.